This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Does your voice reflect your communication image? Does your voice reflect your brand? Communication is a two-way street. And as humans, we're the only species uniquely equipped to communicate with verbal language. Beyond the words we choose, we can use the power of voice as the primary mode to influence and connect with others through five key elements that fashion our individual voice brand. Coming up, you'll hear from the expert behind voice brand, Dr. Wendy LeBorn, and how voice reflects communication image. And then we'll see her put her theory into practice with an actual on-mic vocal branding consultation of guest host Monica Talkstein, Senior Manager, PMO, and Quality Assurance at New York & Co. On location at Remedista's Community Day. You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, powered by Sennheiser and recorded on location. Here are your hosts. Dr. Wendy LeBorn, PhD. I guess I don't have to say PhD after the doctor. It's kind of a, but I feel I feel doubling up. You've you've earned it. I, I don't know, but yes. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, we'll, we'll also call you Dr. Wendy from from here uh, from here on out. Uh, great to have you on the show. Also joining us is Monica Tockstein, the senior manager of PMO and Quality Assurance for New York and Co. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Excited to be here and be here with Dr. Wendy. Awesome. Uh, so, Dr. Wendy, how about we... Oh, hey, bud. I'm here. Oh, yeah. Pop in. <laughs> What's hey, going on? Hey, how you been? I just figure everyone knows. How you, how you been, Mark? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I do that all the time, by the way. I just want to drive through and get to what the, what's yeah. going on with our guests. <laughs> So, you know, audience has heard Pubbin like 250 times. I figure it's sunk in. At minimum, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Old news. All right. All right. So, Dr. Wendy, how about we lead off with this? What is a voice from through the lens of the work that you're doing? So, voice is the one thing that is uniquely sets you apart from everyone else, human communication. And it's it's very much like having a thumbprint or a fingerprint. We are doing biometric profiling of voices these days where we can take a listen to someone's voice. And podcasts are very interesting because sure. unless you've looked at pictures of each of us, mm -hmm. the listeners don't actually have a sense of who we are or what we, what we look like, but they're getting an image of their in their minds right now. They're making some decisions about yeah. me. They've already made some decisions about you. Yeah, a lot um, of decisions. <laughs> um, related to your gender, potentially, your age, um, your socioeconomic level, uh, lots of things based solely on the sound of your voice. And sometimes it's the words you use, but often it's actually the quality of voice that you have. So it's, it's uniquely you. How, how does someone's voice differ from, let's say, their brand, their personal brand? And when I say personal brand, I don't mean like a thought leader. I mean just people walking around on planet Earth. 
Right. And so your voice is really your most essential element of your personal brand because you can put on Spanx and you can dye your hair and makeup and Mm -hmm. put on the best clothes. But when you open your mouth, if it's not congruent Mm -hmm. with what you want to portray to the people around you, um, you're going to lose out on your personal brand. So, you know, we talk about personal brand as the thing that somebody says about you when you leave the room. When people talk about voices, people know people by the sound of their voice. So uniqueness in in my world gets hired. Unique voices get hired. It's something that's interesting, some quality about them, or that it matches who they are as a person, um, what they sound like and what they feel like. Mm -hmm. Can you provide some more light, maybe data around... um the hiring trends on voice, that's something really interesting. Is there anything that's unique to certain types of voice structure that makes someone more appealable in the professional world? Absolutely. So we know, we now have the technology to, when you call into an HR company and you're wanting a job, they're actually running your voice through an algorithm to see sometimes Get whether, whether what? <laughs> artificial a, intelligence. Are we done, are we done with algorithms? Like how? how never. Like, you need never an algorithm away with an algorithm. Whether or not you even Come get an on. interview sometimes okay. is based off the sound what? of your voice. Wow, that's got to be something like a company like Google is probably doing. Big companies, yes. yes. Um, we know that potentially <laughs> um, some industries are using it to match your voice with a potential customer service representative. So I'm just taking the banking industry for for a moment. You call into your credit card, say, I need to report a fraudulent charge on my card. If I am potentially, and I'm using big broad brush strokes here, but if Mm -hmm. I'm potentially an older person, I might speak slightly slower or something like that. So what they're going to do is they run my voice when you say your name through this algorithm, and then they pair you with a customer service representative that is going to best style match your communications. On the fly. On the fly. Well, yes. You know, um, getting back to the job aspect of things, and really, I think in general. So, two two, two things. Two things. One, one is the biggest. One of the biggest pieces of advice I ever got in life, and it really does apply to business, is the importance of being your real self in your dealings and not what you think other people want Absolutely. you to be because it's very tough to continuously and consistently deliver on that version of someone you think they want versus always being able to deliver yourself and when people want you you'll be the best answer to that so and and congruent with that in terms of podcasting one of the biggest pieces of direction or coaching that I give um, industry experts as they become media personalities is they're trying to be what I call hosty. They're trying to be what they think someone wants to hear on the mic, which really gives the listener a false version of who you are and what you have to say mm-hmm. and, and your voice. It's like me reading a commercial. A hundred percent. So this worst. is a great example. Okay, <laughs> if, 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 if I may, Pavan. So Pavan, when he is... Um, uh, moderating a panel or when he's on the show just like this or even when he's just kind of giving his own message he's very natural he connects with people very Mm -hmm. well when I give him a script and he's trying to read the script as a voiceover person everything collapses uh, he's not believable and becomes this different person on the mic so I guess that was a really long runway to my question, which is, but I just wanted to hear my, my voice. No, but, but, She's but, assessing most, you now. That's most a next case study. Most voiceover artists do, right? They, <laughs> they like, like, oh, what no. do I sound like? So, okay. so my question is, so someone is calling in for a job. Mm-hmm. Are they best 
to not put on airs and try to be who they think the company wants them to be? Or are, uh, are they best to try to put on a performance and put on their best self? My motto is really actually authentic communication and authentic empowered communication through voice branding. So you have to be authentic. And we can modulate and modify voice. Like if I wanted to talk like this or sound like this. Yeah, that's, I that's mean, very pleasant. That, I know, you'd want to sit there and listen right to me. And similarly, some of the things that we're hearing currently trend-wise right now mm-hmm. is both glottal fry where people are talking like this all the time right i hear it a lot is that what it's called fry it's called glottal fry Uh, and it is actually associated with a upper level socioeconomic class primarily of women so there's actually Mm -hmm. almost it's almost got some dialect to it and then we live in this world of up talking where everything ends in a question so you combine those together it drives me slightly batty yes oh yes my waiter last night yeah (laughs) (laughs) authentic voice Voice is key. Um, we can change a lot of elements about voice. We can change, you know, when you meet with uh, voice coaches or things like that, they talk about slowing down your rate or changing your intensity. But I think of this much more like music. It might be an intensity and a, and a rate of speech. However, it's the combined elements that can create problems. So if you just, if somebody says slow down, and they want you to lower the pitch of your voice, as a female, all of a sudden, that becomes really condescending because we've slowed it down too much. It's the variability that's what's interesting in people's voices, Um, but being authentic is key. And if I think of this as like looking in the mirror, right? We don't all like to see what's going on there, and but that's what's authentic, Mm -hmm. and we can put on garments that enhance or not enhance, or we go to the gym to work out. But there's evidence-based exercises that if I want to improve my fitness, I can do. And from a voice perspective, I use evidence-based physiology Mm. of maximizing the things in your voice that are uniquely and authentically you to bring you to the most maximal communication level. That, you know, that really explains to me why, again, getting back to the idea of directing someone, usually when I want to get the best take out of someone, I ask them to have fun with it. Okay, mm. we got it. We got the take. Now, this one's just for having fun and just let loose and have a good time and overact it almost. And I find those are often the best takes because mm-hmm. the person is relaxed and allowed the real them to come through. And they didn't even realize they were filtering. And, and maybe that points a little bit to what you're talking about. So in terms of business, how can we relax and fall into being our own authentic, allowing our own authentic voice to come through? Right. And that's a big question. <laughs> and yes. probably, probably not a 10 minute segment <laughs> okay. question. Um, however, there are, again, there's really five elements of voice that go together to create that brand. I think finding whatever your vocal neutral is, and you talk a lot about voiceover artists and things like that, they've got to be able to go outside of neutral and come back to neutral, which is a little different than some of our day-to-day voice branding and our executives that we see. Um, so I work with both sides of the fence but you've got to understand you know resonance and pitch and rate and intonation patterns and all of those things those things combined go into voice brand so we know a sexy female voice 
in big broad brush strokes is going to have increased breathiness to the sound. It's going to be highly inflected. It's going to be at a low intensity. So if the phrase is, I need you to get this done today, it becomes, I need you to get this done today. So we get this highly inflected, overly breathy Mm -hmm. um, voice quality versus if I want it to be authoritative, it becomes increased intensity, much more um, singular on a pitch. I need you to get this done today. And it's much more um, rhythmic in its pattern. So you work a lot with public figures, whether they be entertainers or um, thought leaders, politicians. Can you can you tell me what are they? What type of variety of uh, services are they coming to you for, and how long are you working with them? Um, it depends on on their needs. So um, for a lot of my artists, I'm doing voice assessment risk and management. So if they're going into a role or going into a production that requires some vocal violence or vocal drama, we're trying to figure out how do you get the most bang for your buck. When you're saying entertainer, are you talking about musician or are you talking about... um, uh, Actor, singer. Actor, singer. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Music theater performers are are, are one of my fortes. So anyway, I, I work with them on maximization of voice with minimization of injury. So how do you get the most bang for your buck in the choices mm-hmm. that you make artistically without compromising it? Same thing with my CEOs. What is the message you're trying to get across? Mm-hmm. Are you talking to an intimate group at a roundtable? Are you speaking to a group of 10,000 people? How do you want that to play? How do we get the most bang for your buck on your voice? Do you have to be on a campaign trail for nine months where you're having to use your voice every day? I think of my folks who use their voices extensively as vocal athletes. So we train stamina, power, and you asked how long, it truly depends on the wants and needs. You know, how long do I have to go to the gym to get skinny? I don't know. It depends Uh, on how many M&Ms I eat and how consistent I am with doing the exercises. And so, so that's the same process. Yeah, I love you've been talking about the differences there and what they're going for. And when I really think about voice brand, you know, I'd love to hear from you twofold your purest definition of voice brand. But I think of it from a personal perspective. You talked a little bit about the individuals playing into. So what does that look like at a personal level for voice brand? But then I think of we talk about all of our different industries and they are different companies and they have a brand. So there's also a voice brand to the company. So do the two marry? What is unique about them? And in the pure sense, what is voice brand? So if we talk about brand and the brand of a company from that voice, what do you want it to say? Ultimately, that goal is to evoke an emotion or a desired response from a consumer. And the same thing is really true of the quality of voice brand. It's does your voice convey the emotion that you want? Do you get your listener engaged? Mm. So if I am losing an audience or if, if we need to engage an audience, things such as changing your rate, changing your pacing, changing your inflection, or all of us can really hear if somebody's super emotional, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, the emotion center in the brain is actually hardwired to your laryngeal muscles. So you cannot disconnect 
anger, fear, frustration from the laryngeal muscles, they actually will start to tighten and we, we get that like tight, squeaky feeling and you can't disassociate it. So as women, and we're talking to a fair number of women sometimes, um, we are emotional beings at heart and our number one job in communicating and from a voice brand standpoint is to make a connection yes. with our voice. Um, not It's not always intentional, but that is our desired communication versus men tend to actually use words to get their point across. It's not as much about their voice sometimes as the words they use, but women use voice sometimes in a very different way. So when we evoke that emotion and you get an emotional response, I think many of us have had the experience where we get choked up hearing somebody else choked up because you get that response. So part of voice brand from the actual laryngeal quality is how do you get somebody to almost vocally sympathize and engage with what you're doing and saying mm-hmm. based off of the sound and quality of your voice. It, it's, it, would yeah. you say it's a bit of vocal choreography in a way uh, or being able to, it's control. Authentic choreography, yes. Authentic choreography. Yes. Because you want these things to become natural. Right. It's, it's sort of well, like... Some people have it natural. But right? Some like people, comics, but can I can you, see them, you know, some of them are quite yeah. natural at mm-hmm. that, or it's trained. Well, mm-hmm. I was saying, can, it, can you essentially engineer a reaction through the way that you utilize your voice? Yeah, I believe yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So interesting. All right, coming up, uh, you'll hear Dr. Wendy share some uh, really interesting takeaways that you can utilize to help harness your own voice brand towards propelling your own career success. Right here on location at Remedistas Community Day. We'll be right back. Entrepreneurista. A woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entrepreneurista podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done, and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram, with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstapodcast.com. So, Dr. Wendy, really being a representative and a community member of Ramodista, and so exciting to be here today with so many women who are so accomplished. Really, Ramadista is all about celebrating women, moving them to the next level, seeing what's next, empowering one another. And so I think of a challenge, specifically when you're talking about voice brand. I know for myself and I'm sure many other women, not only in the Ramadista community, but also your audience as well. How do I use my voice and voice brand twofold to inspire others to come along and I raise them up, 
but also how do I use my voice for those above me at the executive or presenting to my board of directors to get them to buy in and be inspired by where I'm trying to lead them and lead the company. How do I do that in those two spaces, which have very diverse people and purposes? I'd love to know that. And I think this is a great question and so great for women because I think it's a challenge all the time. Most of us still work in a fairly male-dominated work environment where we find ourselves as leaders and then also moving up potentially that fairly traditional chain of command Um, and being able to understand not just of the voice brand, but also the communication biases that come along with that. So I might turn the question around on you in a moment, but when we think about what are the communicative and voice needs, because those have to actually match, Mm -hmm. what are some of the challenges that you feel like you face talking to your team where they don't, where you don't feel like you communicate, your voice brand doesn't come across as well? Wow, no pressure there. So I think the challenge, if I'm going to think about my team and inspiring them and moving them up, it's a challenge of helping them even, just like what you're, we're talking about here, helping them be effective and how do I communicate that to them? Are, am I communicating to my audience that are international and I'm having to flex to an audience where one English is a second language. They have a very different culture. So how can I communicate and be effective to them versus a traditional workspace and my traditional coworkers who are similar to me? And then when I have that in a mixed audience. Fabulous. So we've got cultural bias, number one. And then also a little bit of potential gender bias and maybe even age bias, um, depending on where you are. So some of the things that we know, because those are going to change, we know that um, women in Asian countries have a generally higher um, fundamental frequency or speaking pitch than Americans. Um, we So where we speak as Americans tends to be a little bit lower. We know that authoritative voice, which is not inspired voice, right? So mm-hmm. authoritative is a little different than inspired, but as a leader, we've got to have a little authoritative. We know that men who have lower pitch voices make more money and father more children and hold positions of higher leadership. But when women do that, we're often perceived as aggressive. So what has to happen in those situations is that we've got to temper some of the authentic qualities of voice along with rate Um, So, for example, if you want to inspire somebody to do something, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. some of the things that make that happen oftentimes are stories that are well communicated. So that means you've got to be conversational. It has to be authentic. So there's variability in pitch. You don't just have to think, oh, my gosh, I have to talk low because I need to be authoritative. Mm -hmm. It's I'm telling you this story about my kid, and he did this, and this is how it relates to what we're going to do as our team. So we get the variability of pitch. Wow. Um, That's we, powerful. It's incredible yeah. for hearing sales, you do really this. Do. Yeah. Like, just watching and hearing your tone shift like this while you're saying it and doing it at the same 
You're like an Olympic this. vocal athlete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she got Yo, the gold. 10.0. Yo, for <laughs> real. Right? This is perfect. You know, I'm, I'm wondering, actually, it might be really interesting if, uh, I'll put you on the spot a little bit, but if you'd be willing to do a case study with someone here and kind of demonstrate evaluating. And, and when you say someone, it's Monica, right? It's going to be Monica. It's going to be Monica. I would love to evaluate Monica. Would that be cool? Would that be all right with you, Monica? Hey, I love being a case study. Absolutely. Fabulous. Cool. I mean, you know, I said that like you can just like deliver. I, but magic. But it is. So this would be very similar to if I were to meet Monica for the first time. And we actually met in person today for the first time. Oh, so True you've been statement. analyzing her since. So I, I, do you analyze everybody I you pretty talk much to? do, actually. No, oh. no I understand. <laughs> That. I really do. I mean, I, <laughs> no, I mean, I, it, just like I say this in How could what, you not? full transparency. I, yeah. But I said to Monica today, I said, with these amazing women that are here mm-hmm. at Remodista today, looking at some of the people and where they're coming from, I was much more concerned about what I was wearing and if my makeup looked okay than actually about what the verbiage was or what I was going to say. But as soon as I start talking about voice with people, all of a sudden I feel like I often stand alone in a corner because everyone's afraid to talk to to me. But please don't ever be afraid to talk to me. (laughs) Would it be fair to say to some degree you may be a voice geek? I I am 100%. You can label me a voice geek. I might have a shirt to that effect. All right, so 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 let's dive into that skill set and see okay. you know what what you've learned so far and what what input you might have. So one of the things I always like to say to folks is, what do you like about your voice, and what do you not like about the quality of your voice? Because there's always things that we like about ourselves physically, mm-hmm. and no one likes to usually listen to a recording of their voice. So tell me a, a couple of true things. Statement. You like. True. Yeah. Such a true statement. So I think it's something that I definitely do not like, and you spoke about this, I believe, in an earlier segment, when I'm feeling tension and stress and frustration in particular, I find that my voice starts rising both in its tone and its intensity, and I feel that the perception then of being highly emotional and losing that control. So I don't like that piece about it because my voice gives me a way where mm-hmm. I might not necessarily want to be communicating my frustration. Uh, are you super conscious about what your voice is doing right now? I'm trying not to be, <laughs> but thank you. Because if I wasn't, now I shall be. Oh, sorry. You're welcome. <laughs> awesome. It's, it's the gift, right? When I think about what I like about my voice, I have been told by several people that both from hearing only and from an interaction, both of them, I am able to convey and give a person a sense of being authentic and genuine. And I find that that is very important. And you spoke about that, that sense of relationship, but being able to do that. So I do like that, that I'm able to do that. And on a 360-degree view, because part of this is her perception. You know, we all think, oh, my gosh, I'm fat. And people go, you're not really fat. So she perceives that people can hear tension in her voice and that it rises. And I was watching you in this moment, and your jaw definitely got tighter. And I definitely watched your laryngeal muscles get tighter, which, if we do that, is really going to make the voice tighter and more strident, for sure. But do you guys, what do you perceive... In her voice, if you were just to listen to it without visual cues. So I would actually, I I was earlier segment leading up to now, um, paying attention and actually being pretty impressed with, uh, you must be well media trained um, 
you know, generally when we have guests, guest hosts and guests on the show, uh, they're not very natural on mic mm-hmm. and they tense up. And I didn't find that in you at all. Mm. Well, thank you. I, I perceive the same thing. The one observation, since we're like in the truth corner here, that one yes, observation that I had is um, I, I believe I read into the way that you speak or the way that you push your voice that you do push your voice out, which to me, playing psychologist, is it's important for you to be respected as a professional, as a woman, as whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you force your message out through your voice. That's what I perceived. Mm -hmm. Great. And I think that that is really important that you hear other people's perceptions. So when I go to analyze a client, I ask them what they like and don't like. Then I ask their team members, what Mm -hmm. do you perceive in their Mm -hmm. voice or their communication skills? Because we really need this 360 degree view. Um, I think that the tension issues that you hear do go back to a little bit of what you're perceiving as pushing because when she gets anxious or tense, we all tighten down. So she's doing it specifically with her jaw and Mm. with her throat. Um, So we would actually do targeted exercises to go, okay, every time you take a breath in, when you get in a stressful situation, you're going to think about releasing your jaw and your tongue. Just in that moment, no one's, no one else is going to know. You don't have to slow down your train of what you're doing. You're just going to release it. So for in that moment, <laughs> you're going to do those types of things. Mm. Um, we would also work on strategies that when you start to notice stress or tension coming into the conversation, that we would take a mental pause to give your, chan- your brain a chance to vocally undo what it naturally wants to do, because this is actually all about neuromotor planning. And we know that if you're in a reactive situation, if you've ever been in a car accident, mm-hmm. you all of a sudden will tense anytime somebody puts the brakes on in the car. So you are currently patterned that when you get into stress or tension, the voice is your first thing to go because that is probably your most important communication tool. So we would actually start to de-pattern that through some Mm -hmm. exercises and strategies to help you not be um, perceived as tense, even though you are. We always want to chase your stress, Tonto, about your pinky toe so no one can see it. (laughs) Fabulous. I would like that. That would be fabulous. That is excellent advice, and it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it's practical. So I know we're talking about actual vocal voice here. Uh, Do you also work with people who, let's say, may be hearing impaired and don't use their voice as much, but they communicate in other ways like sign language in helping them find their own voice brand? I have not. I don't know that that's necessarily relevant to the here and now and just what we're doing the moment, but certainly the physical gestures and movement is something that I deal with from a voice branding standpoint so that sometimes if the voice is really aggressive or um, annoying or there are elements of voice that are problematic, we'll temper it with physical gestures that will actually calm it down. Well, that's fascinating. But, but that doesn't actually answer your question regarding to hearing impairment. No, but it makes, um, makes me glad I asked it, though. Um, <laughs> uh, but related to hearing impaired um, individuals, it certainly falls under my degree of communication sciences and disorders, but it's not something I actively at work on. I work more on that executive moving up in that ladder. How did you get into this? And did you just get 
lucky in the sense that you have a voice that is perfectly trained for what you're doing? Because I think that, you know, like, if you're going to teach someone how to play baseball, you better be damn good at baseball, right? Like, and similarly, you're training people on voice, and your voice is, I mean, I haven't heard a voice perfectly balanced like this before Well, you have a (laughs) God-given, pleasant voice (laughs) that has been trained. By the way, you should probably ask my husband that question, because he may not answer it that way. (laughs) Well, your voice is different at home, I'm sure. Right, so he has a mic. He's like, you use your home. If you want something from someone it's right. hi this is dr wendy i need you to you know so i hate when you use that voice right so we yeah. have some of that but. <laughs> but but even that it's perfectly effective right, right. So, so it's it, and so that's you, why he hates it probably um, <laughs> <laughs> um does it intend it that's right but going back to uh-huh. to background like luck I, I think my definition of luck is when opportunity meets preparation right mm-hmm. so if you take that definition my backstory is that I've been a professional performer since I was three. So I have a BFA in music theater. And then I decided I didn't want to be a waitress in New York City my whole life. And I love, I still perform professionally, just not as often as I did. Um, And then I have my master's and my doctorate in communication sciences and disorders with a specialty in voice and voice disorders. Because voice has always been my passion. Um, And good or bad, I don't know that everyone would love my voice, um, but I work really hard on keeping balance. So I've got to be able to come in and out of um, nasality and back because I've got to be able to imitate what my my, my patients or what my clients do. So if they're talking back here like this all the time, uh, we were just talking a little earlier about I was listening to Elizabeth Holmes' voice. So um, she is the woman... um, who was worth nine billion dollars? The, the the book that Bad Blood is currently based mm-hmm. on, but it's it's a very contrived back voice with a very authoritative type of quality that for me when I listened to it was not an authentic mm. voice quality. Um, so I've made I've done my research and my writings on what makes voices elite, what makes them mm. hireable. And so when I take a speaker or somebody, I want to bank on their best assets and make them better, minimize their detractors, but it's not about building their weaknesses. It's about maximizing that individual, and that happens with my CEOs and my artists. Do you often look at uh, iconic people? I'll use an example like Hillary Clinton. One of the biggest criticisms of her was, and I'm not getting political here, was that um, it didn't appear that she connected with, with her the, voice. With her voice was different than her message. And what what would you have said to her if you had an opportunity to fix that issue? So I that love the, this question so much, Mark. Wow. <laughs> well, it's really interesting because we then, were, can you get in a time machine? Monica, and Monica, and I were actually talking about this because I said I actually have recordings of Hillary vo- Hillary's voice early from her early career all the way through current day it has changed drastically and people whether they realize it or not are actually polarized by her voice because it's not been authentic through time it's gone from high to having an arkansas accent to new york accent to low what happened after 1960 for women in this country is that the average pitch of our speaking voice dropped because for the first time in history we had to come to the table with men and so in order to do that 
we went from kind of this speaking voice, which was average pre-1960, to this voice post-1960, um, to be able to sit at the table. My suspicion, and I can't say that I've worked with Hillary, um, I would love to have had the opportunity to engage in the conversation about her voice, is that she was very likely... Um, not very likely. She was sitting at the table with an all-male group of individuals, and she is not particularly tall in stature. And so just sometimes, like, we get little man syndrome where we get the men who want yeah. to talk like this. Or the Hummer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or the Hummer. <laughs> <laughs> we, she was, I suspect, in some degree, consciously or unconsciously coached to be able to lower that voice voice but when she did that it became both inauthentic and very aggressive at times because it wasn't tempered with inflection patterns intonation patterns that made her more human so we got this i'm going to tell you this and you partner that with some of the gesturing that occurs with those mm -hmm. situations and it didn't work for her in that moment Wow. Fascinating. Wow. And that's a, why it's so interesting to watch. I love like watching Saturday Night Live because what we do is we take that biometric element that makes somebody so um, unique and oftentimes it's voice and we imitate that. You know, this is one of those skill sets that, uh, of course, after this conversation is completely, I, I completely get it and why it's important and why people need to actually seek this counseling if they're in positions where it would matter. Um, but I would have had no idea, right? So, like, how big is this field and how, you know what I mean? Like, how many experts are there that can do this work at the level one, you're doing? One, there's one pub. No, I mean, like, She's I'm just... Here. This is yeah, This is pretty unique, right? The, and I've sort of, I guess, for my whole life forged this path of what I wanted to do, and this is, this is that next step. I don't know that there's a lot of us that do this. Um, I feel like I'm fairly super specialized in what I do. There's lots of voice and presentation coaches. For this sure. is really going well beyond that into mm -hmm. evidence-based practice of the who and the what and the why that makes you marketable. What's brilliant is when you're talking about something being nasally, you start speaking slightly nasally and then bring it back. It's like, I mean... You got this down. <laughs> so this and is, nobody uh, I mean... Right? Nobody knew they knew to, needed a Swiffer right, until they right, created right, a no, Swiffer, right? right. That's you have to go around it educating sure. people nonstop, sure. so right? You, I mean... Absolutely. So you've done that as an author, I as have. an example. Uh -huh. So what... what what I'm sorry, did I Great tie-in. No, no, I was, I was so, gesturing a so, fantastic uh, tie-in. So... <laughs> So you're an author. So uh, tying in with what uh, Puppet was saying, what drove you to write? What did you write about? And and what does that have to do with your overall mission? Great question. Since you're trying to get the word out. Since I'm trying to get the word out. And actually, the next book that's on the horizon is actually Voice Branding Beyond Words. So that is very shortly in press, hopefully. My prior... Um, um, books that I've authored um, I, and my, with my co-author is called The Vocal Athlete. My co-author is Marcy Rosenberg. It's actually primarily designed to talk about the pedagogy or how we train elite performing vocal athletes. And then much of my research has been on what makes voices unique and interesting and how do you get them hired. Um, so that's been a lot of my research. And then moving forward, it is looking at 
What is it that's unique about women's voices or men's voices? What is your voice brand? We know that the average TED Talk speaker speaks at a rate of somewhere around 162 words a minute. However, you shouldn't just have that target of 162 words per minute because then it starts to sound really contrived. It's that give and take. And I think the musicality in my life has really tied into that because it's the up and down of a piece that makes it interesting. It's a fast and the slow. And just like in music, um, as we move forward, um, you can't play the piece 98% right because it sounds bad. You've got to be 100% spot on pretty much most of the time. And that takes a lot of time and energy. So the next piece of work that is coming down the pike very shortly is on voice branding, what it is from an evidence-based practice and how you do it. What's the title of the book that's out there right now and who should pick it up? Um, it is actually called The Vocal Athletes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, that, that is actually geared primarily towards professional singers, actors. Okay. The next one's for my CEOs and my C-suite executives. Welcome to Hashtag Moms Got This. Get your mom life fix four days a week. I'm Michelle Park. And I'm Stacey Eagle. Together we chatted up with a new boss mom each week about her journey and why she's got this. Make sure to subscribe and show us some love on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever the best podcasts are found. And remember, Moms Got This. Pavan <laughs> asked you earlier if you... Um, if you, you know, you're always like noticing what people, but do you feel like when you watch, particularly people like your Hillary Clinton or like President Trump or like celebrities or like this speaker or this type of, are you just like reaching through the screen half the time or, or the speaker and, and just going, oh my God, I need to help this person. I just like, you know, I could, I could change the trajectory or be a part of a change in the trajectory of their career or their success with this adjustment? There are absolutely moments of that. I think when I know somebody is really good at what they do is when I completely don't pay attention to their voice. And I'm listening only to their... Is that fair? It is fair. Um, But I listen to voices all the time. But I find voice fascinating and interesting, whether it's good or bad, because people have made a living of really awful voices. Of course. You know? Um, And who am I to say that you shouldn't be doing that. What I try to take is what you like about your voice and maximize it and get a 360 view. Because if you're completely skewed in your opinion of what it sounds like and that's a problem, that's something different. But, um, yeah. I I reflect back on one of your earliest statements in this interview, which is you you can't judge a book by its cover. You know, people make their own decisions. I think of Abraham Lincoln. He's known and written to have actually had a fairly high voice, Mm -hmm. and which which is not how he's often portrayed because we think he should have this commanding voice based on, you know, history's view of him. But he actually, yeah. And also what's interesting about 
any voice is that it is not just your vocal cords it's based off the resonance track so abraham lincoln to oh, go sure. back to your to your point it was very tall and thin probably marfan syndrome ask uh, from what we know he should have probably had a lower voice because the resonance of his vocal tract yeah. should have dictated that but you almost wonder whether he was slightly sickly or yeah. whether there is something about interesting that voice you don't really know because like my fiance she was very sick as a child so it damaged her vocal cords mm -hmm. and so probably the voice she was born with is not what we hear now she has catches in her voice and it affects probably how people perceive it absolutely her does and so, anyway for better or for worse exactly so uh you know, as we often do in this show, we like to uh, invite the guest to share a kind of final thought, a word of wisdom, a reflection even on this interview or on the work you do or anything else you'd like to leave behind. Would you care to do that? Sure. Um, I just would say that your voice is so integral and it can be maximized. My passion in my world is to actually help people get to their best selves through their voice and communication. Um, and I just see this niche market, this need for women and men to be able to communicate more effectively, not just in the words we say, but really, truly how you say them. And how can people connect with you and the work that you're doing? Um, you can reach out to me um, by uh, my email or my website. Um, my website is www.drwendy.me. That's my, Wendy with a Y. With a Y. Um, or my email is contact at drwendy.me. Awesome. Are you on social media? I am on social media. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. At Dr. Wendy? or. Mm -hmm. I will have to get back with that. Okay, I, I very good. Okay. Right. Well, yes, I no think worries. it's just Dr. Right, we'll, we'll Wendy. Get rid of the, yes, okay, so, no yeah. Sorry. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I must tell you, that just from a personal perspective, Dr. Wendy, uh, we've done literally hundreds and hundreds of interviews, and this is very much amongst the very top of my favorites. Oh, you're so kind. So uh, thank, <laughs> thank you. It was you. such a fascinating, truly enlightening discussion and, of discovery of something that's in front of us every day, but we don't think about it. So thank you very much. Best of luck to you with your next book. Thank you. And uh, um, maybe you want to pipe in. I do. Just really, I have so enjoyed being able to sit in on this with you, Dr. Wendy. And I think the audience can clearly hear through you. You are an innovator in this field. And with Remedista, we are about innovation. Tonight, we actually are going to be celebrating and awarding women who have been innovators. And so it's just such a beautiful tie-in. And we are so honored at Ramadista to be able to take a fellow innovator and bring her into the community because it's, it's a perfect pairing. And I think you guys can totally see why we were so excited to have Dr. 100%. Wendy come, mm -hmm. be part of our community day and a keynote speaker at our collective thing. So thank you so much, Dr. Wendy. Thank you guys for having me. It has truly been a pleasure and I'm so happy to be part of this. All right, that's it for this uh, truly fascinating episode of Fashion Is Your Business here on location at Remedista's Community Day. And uh, we look forward to uh, sharing more incredible content with you next time. Until then, for Monica Tockstein. Thank you, everybody. It's been wonderful to be here. And Mr. Pavan Ball. Shake it easy. I'm Mark Rako. We'll see you next time. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.
This has been Fashion Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, fashionisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. This is your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.